1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May podcast. And yeah, I use that opening because I can't think of anything better. Uh, and uh, here we are. We're three games into the Ohio State football season, three three games, really four weeks into the college football season uh, in general. And uh, but for Ohio State, which we cover the most, isn't that right? Spencer Holbrook,
2: my trusted co-pilot. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Three weeks in, uh, four if you count the uh, the Ireland game. No, i just don't... been
1: getting you to verify <laughs> that Ohio State is what we cover the most.
2: Oh, yeah. We're, I didn't, we're, I didn't we're, want you to
1: give a whole breakdown of the schedule we've witnessed so far from zero week till now. Uh, but the bottom line is, yeah, uh, the, the team we cover the most, Ohio State, is about to embark on the 2022 Big Ten season, hosting Wisconsin. Boy, back in the day, man, Ohio State versus Wisconsin, there'd be a shutter. There would be a shutter, S-U-D-D-E-R, in the uh, Woody Hayes Athletic Center, and they would batten down the shutters, S-U-T-T-E-R-S, in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, getting ready to face the hog mollies, the tidal wave that was the uh, Wisconsin offensive line and uh, the physical way Wisconsin likes to play defense. I guess Wisconsin's sort of that team again. Uh, A lot of people picked them to win the West. I did not. I picked Minnesota. Minnesota. I'm going to get into that with my uh, longtime uh, friend, fellow I covered at Ohio State uh, as a player, uh, Joshua Perry, now with the Big Ten Network, uh, with Bally's. He does all kinds of things. He's my guest this week on the Tim May podcast, uh, because obviously he has a really good insight on the Big Ten in general, and Ohio State, Wisconsin in particular. But uh, back to what we were talking about there, Spencer, uh, it's now for real you know of course with Ohio State every game is for real because Ohio State as Ryan Day said you know you're expected to win every game anything short of that it's a little bit of a fall off right but uh, I think this team probably feels pretty good about itself going into this week Uh, is that your is that your take
2: yeah yeah and I think they, they they have good reason to and you know I called uh, the performance by Toledo's offense or Ohio state's defense, whichever way you want to look at that a little fluky uh, just because of the way the quarterback played and he was able to escape Ohio state's defense, I thought played really well on second watch. Uh, and then the offense is absolutely rolling. There's a lot of confidence in the building right now. And uh, when they're playing with confidence and they're really, really hard to beat Tim. Uh, you know, I, I don't think we've seen them uh, at their peak yet even. So yeah. it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I'm i interested to see if Wisconsin can hang around because that that Wisconsin team that lost 17-14 two weeks ago to Washington State did not look like the Wisconsin that, that I grew up watching and that you've watched for so many years, uh, you know, up there in Madison.
1: Yeah, they destroyed New Mexico State on Saturday this past week. <coughs> Excuse me. But who hasn't uh, is the way I look at it. Uh, number two, Ohio State destroyed Toledo. Toledo uh, was the second best opponent in Ohio State's uh, – uh, what do you want to call it? Pre conference schedule, uh, going in, at least looking at it on paper uh, behind Notre Dame and in between there and Arkansas State. And uh, I think Ohio State just scored another touchdown. Let me, yeah, uh, no, no, they called it back. I mean, 77, 77 points on 11 touchdowns. Uh, that's about as awesome as it gets. Am I correct on that?
2: Yeah, yeah, and and when you look at the offensive stats, it, it might even look worse than the 77, Tim, because, you know, C.J. Stroud threw for so many yards, and Kyle McCord threw a touchdown pass that was really – should have just been an 8 to 10-yard gain, and Toledo couldn't tackle. And, you know, even T.C. Caffey, the walk-on running back, got in on the action with a big, long touchdown run where Toledo just couldn't tackle. And so, yeah, 77 is a lot, Tim, but it could have been worse. I mean, they did punt, I think, once, so <laughs> – yeah. You could have saw it. Uh, uh, yeah. We've got uh eleven touchdowns, one punt, and then the kneel down. So yeah. Yeah, it's, you're it's not a, gonna see.
1: You know, yeah. as I pointed out on our on our uh game recap the other night from uh, that tunnel inside Ohio Stadium, they punted, but they punted from like the uh the Toledo like 40. You know what I mean? It's like every every possession got into Toledo territory. Uh uh it was it was it was it was a thorough thorough thrashing offensively by high state and like you said some big plays by their quarterback who i think is really good dewan finn uh uh daquan finn uh really kind of gave toledo a little bit of early hope let's just put it that way right i mean uh that kid is an excellent player and i thought that toledo defense was pretty good <coughs> on paper going in but you know wow i mean
2: We're really seeing a master at work in C.J. Stroud, correct? Yeah, and you talk about Daquan Finn giving them some hope there at the beginning, and you thought that if it was a shootout, Toledo didn't have a chance. And when you saw Ohio State's offense and C.J. Stroud, which is what I'm getting to, carve through Toledo the way they did on that opening drive with just so much ease. Uh, Tim, I know that it was 7-7 after each team had the ball once, but it was over. It was over once you saw what Ohio State was able to do to that Toledo defense the first time because you knew it was going to be a long night for that Toledo defense. And Ohio State was eventually going to get some stops, whether it was you know one stop or you know however many stops they ended up getting there. It was going to happen. And when C.J. Stroud's on point the way C.J. Stroud was on point Saturday, it, it's over, especially against an opponent like Toledo that's just talent-wise outmatched. Uh, you cannot say enough good things about C.J. Stroud, though. He was – he was as good as you're going to see him. Uh, five touchdowns and five incompletions, 367 yards, uh, and one of the incompletions should have been a touchdown pass to Jackson Smith and Jigba. But the Toledo defender, as I put it on Morning Juice this morning, uh, you know, waved his arm from behind his back and and knocked the ball away almost on accident. So, yeah. uh, you know, it could have been six touchdowns and five and uh, four incompletions. Yep,
1: and as I like the last time I'll get to say this, and my cough is almost keeping me from saying it. CJ Stroud launched missiles at the rockets, and the rockets' red glare lit up the shoe. That was my uh, that was my proposed headline on A seven point one the fan on uh, Friday of last week. I think that was pretty apropos. Do you agree?
2: Uh, yeah, and those missiles were going to Cade Stover. They were going to Jackson Smith and Jigba. They were going to Emeka Abuka, Marvin Harrison. Adult, Julian Fleming, I can't leave him out right on no. down the line, Tim. It was it was an impressive showing by this offense. And uh, to rack up the yards the way they did, uh, I, I don't even know if Ohio State expected to do that because it was, it was a lot.
1: North Korea only dreams of having a missile armory such as what Ohio State has got. But we digress. Hey, let's get to my conversation with uh, Joshua Perry. One of our favorite people, definitely one of my favorite people. Known him for a while. Proud of him, the way he's risen through the ranks, working his rear end off. Uh, Living in Chicago now. You can see uh, downtown, a little bit of downtown Chicago out of his window there as we talk in this uh, conversation. But just talking about uh, Ohio State in particular, uh, Wisconsin in particular, going into this opener, Big Ten opener for Ohio State, and then the Big Ten in general, even a little bit of the national scene and what his takes are on that, and a few of mine. But let's get right now uh, directly to my conversation with Joshua Perry. As promised, ladies and gentlemen, one of my favorite people in the world. Forget about him being one of my favorite guests. Uh, Joshua Perry of the Big Ten Network, of Bally's, of all kinds of things. Uh, uh, heck, you even help try to sell Peloton sometimes, don't you?
0: Try to do a little bit of everything. Now, I, I just got to say this before before we get into it. The only reason I'm on here is because when I was on the press box elevator coming back from that uh, Arkansas State game, I saw Tim May, the big one, and, and and I was you know I was hey when when can I get back on the podcast? Like you got too big time for me. You do a, an Urban's deal, it, I, I you know I guess I'm not good enough. So yep. I was able to to kind of force my way on here. So I'm glad you got. it. Uh, well, let me just tell you this, Joshua. Most of those big, most
1: of you big time guys, I said, oh, <laughs> include you in that group have a solicitor. You need a solicitor, my man. I'm just messing with you. You know that you have an open invitation to be on this thing anytime you want. You help build this podcast uh, brick by brick. A lot of bricks. I've thrown a lot of bricks in this podcast, but uh, you've thrown a ton of bricks. I'm just glad to have you on. We're up. We're both up early. You're up an hour earlier than I am because you're in Chicago. So that's how how it works.
0: I think we're up at the same time. Time is relative. So, you know, Yeah. Yeah, if if you're the
1: space station. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but uh but not but not if you're uh I just give it up to you you guys at early rise man I give you – Urban's the same way it's like hey can we do it at 6:15 6:45 yeah okay coach but uh uh let's get into it real quick man um uh, number 1 I want to, I wanted to get you on here for several reasons but cuz you have a great I think you you give me a great uh view of the national picture as well as anybody Uh, And then of course, the big 10 picture, obviously big 10 network, you know, everybody, everybody can see your career continuing to mushroom. Uh, uh, But, but then the microcosm of that is Ohio state, uh, Ohio state could have literally scored. I hate using that word literally. I just did it again. Could have scored a hundred points the other night against Toledo, which by the way, I thought was a game Toledo team going into that game. Yeah. They had, they had they had beaten two teams, Long Island and Massachusetts. If you put those two teams together, you couldn't have a team that could beat Toledo. So false narrative maybe on Toledo. I still think that quarterback's pretty damn good. But what do we what what did we see the other night, in your opinion, uh from Ohio State from an offensive standpoint? Is there more of this to come?
0: Yeah, I mean, let me let me start by saying this about Toledo is uh I don't I don't know how they're going to finish in the MAC. I think they're going to be a solid team in that conference. Ohio State has beaten some MAC teams similarly that ended up finishing, you know, second in the MAC, ended up winning the conference. So, yeah. it's not to say that this Toledo team can't play football. Um I made the comment after the game that um Ryan Day sent a message with with 77 points and I don't think Ohio State fans appreciate how many points 77 actually is. Nobody scored 77 in college football this year, except for Ohio State. Only yeah. team that's done that so yeah. far this year. And, and this is not to throw stones at um, our rival in Michigan, but you know they, they've played Colorado State and Hawaii and UConn, and they have absolutely dominated like good teams do. The, those games have not ever been in doubt, ever been in question. They have played really good offense and defense, still haven't put up 77 points. Um, and so to what I'm saying is, I don't know how much we actually learned about this Ohio state team in that game. Maybe we learned that Cade Stover could be a little bit more of a a feature within this offense, right? Maybe we learned that this defense, we're going to have to get comfortable with, with some of these, these explosive plays, knowing that throughout the game, they're going to continue to get better. I mean, it's been a trend that this second half defense is it's, it's really good, um, we didn't learn all that much, but Ryan sent a message that this team is going to do what really good football teams do in games like that. And he did it a week before you start conference play where Wisconsin tried to send a similar message and he put a bunch of stuff on tape for them to have to review. And he's saying that, listen, we're gonna be explosive on offense. We're gonna be aggressive on defense. This is our calling card. And I think it's important even in a game like that where Ohio state could have kind of mailed it in saying, we got a big one coming up, you know, it's going to be Skycam out there. It's going to be ESPN, ABC. It's a night game blackout atmosphere could have mailed it in and said, no, we're going to go out here. We're going to do things the right way. Like really good football teams do like we've seen Georgia do this year. Like we've seen Oklahoma do this year, like USC is trying to do this year. Um, That, that goes a long way for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, to me, I mean, I was saying it before a um, pregame show, 97 one the fan. I mean, you know, what Ryan Day wanted to see was his team come out from the start and dominate. Now, he got that from the offense. They <laughs> scored on their, what, first, whatever it was, seven or eight possessions. Yeah, I mean, CJ going in,
0: went out yeah. and, I mean, he <laughs> – His first incompletion should have been a touchdown, easy pass. I mean, the college kids, but I mean, everything was efficient. Everything was exactly what Ryan likes to have is let's go out there. Let's set the tone. Let's be efficient. Let's get in rhythm, hit them with the run game, hit them with the pass game. Like,
1: yes. Yeah. Yeah. But the defense, uh, suddenly the game was seven to seven and it was, I'm I'm telling you what you think I'm BSing you, man. Uh, But I thought about you after that first drive, by, by Toledo obviously 7-7 seven, seven. it wasn't 7-7 seven to seven at the end of the game sure. uh, but I thought about you and and when I saw you uh, after you got to Washington Ohio State practice this year in preseason and what bothered you was uh, what you liked was how aggressive the defense was what bothered you was occasionally letting a play out the gate um, they don't they rarely ever let two in a row out of the gate you know yeah kind of did yep. on that on that drive but my point is uh that was a hell of a quarterback they played. that guy was better than I thought he was from a running standpoint. He, and yes. then and then through just heaving the ball down to the, you know, down there and the kid's kid basically is wide open. That was a hell of a pass too. My point is, uh, how much farther uh, is this defense still a very much a work in progress, in your opinion, as you get in as you go against more competent football teams? I mean, what's what's your take on that?
0: Let me, let me give you a couple of things here because it's really interesting. That was one of my biggest concerns uh, when I saw the Jim Knowles hire it is super aggressive. Uh, I mean, great on third downs, causes a lot of negative plays, and we've seen that. I mean, yep. Tommy Eichenberg is playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage in a way that most people thought he couldn't. And a lot of people uh, basically up until that Rose Bowl are ready to write that kid off, and, and he's gotten off to a hot start. We've seen what Mike Hall can do as a, a guy who is – more developmental throughout spring and then all of a sudden he becomes a dude uh, you know JT's going out there making plays all of that to say uh, this is that's what the defense wants to be um, but when I watched the initial tape of Oklahoma State when the hire was made one of the things I saw is every once in a while you end up cutting a guy loose because yeah. things get aggressive and um, that's just the nature of the beast with that but uh, it, it seems like in this defense you'd rather cut a guy loose being aggressive than you know playing soft and guys are able to uh, hit you and then you make a guy miss and it's a big play and then there was no risk for uh that to even happen right I mean big plays are going to occur so before I uh did the the Arkansas State game of course I get to meet with the coaches and one of the questions I asked Coach Knowles was uh you know one of the things I, I see in this defense is, is that the ball can get over your head, or you know, you can miss a tackle and a guy's out the gate. Uh, I'm like, what's what's the line there? And he says, well, uh, this defense, the way it's built, is that as long as you give up five or less explosive plays a game, uh, you you win the game typically, because in aggressive nature defense, you understand that sometimes you you might not fit the the blitz up perfectly or or a guy is on an island in pass coverage. And uh, you know, you get beat because the other guys are on scholarship for the other teams and um, that thing tends to happen. So I think there's a concept for the players that it's okay if the ball goes over your head or something happens, as long as it doesn't happen entirely too much so they don't get down on themselves. Uh, I think as fans, we're all scarred from last year too. So every time we see a big play, it's like, oh, here we go again. Um, certainly not the same mentality in the locker room. Um, And so I think to answer your question, yes, this defense has uh, some way to go, right? It's going to be a growing process throughout the season and that's to be expected with a a new defense. Um, I also think that for folks watching the games, we are going to have to shift our paradigm a little bit. You take the good with the bad, right? So getting off the field on all those third downs and, and causing some havoc plays we need to celebrate that at the same time, when you give one up, it can't be, oh man, this defense ain't right. Like, no, 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 no. those things are going to happen. Yeah. So um, it's, it's a little bit of both. It's it's a, it's a weird spot. um, Certainly because you, especially after last year, you don't want to see those types of plays, but um, you have to understand that on the other side of it, we're doing some really creative, aggressive things that weren't happening a year ago.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, and the other thing is, is it in modern college football? Yeah, I know Georgia had its moment last year, but even you know, he had a couple of games where it was challenged. Obviously, defensively, it was one of the great defenses you're going to see. Contemporary wise, it, it's hard. It, it it's it's an impossible task almost to shut people out anymore, isn't it? I mean, you were you're watching this, like you said, the others have scholarships too, but the creativity from the offensive side, the ability to watch tape and understand where things are coming from on both sides of the ball makes it difficult to just like just stranglehold a team unless you're just physically dominant,
0: right? Yeah, and and, and let's also put things into perspective for what we've kind of seen around college football. Um, for example, Georgia in, in their opener against Oregon, like you can make a case that um, that Oregon team that you saw in the first week is not going to be the Oregon team that we will see through the rest of the season. Yep. Brand new coaching staff, they're trying to feel themselves out. Kirby has a distinct advantage because he's going against a guy that was literally his right hand man. Like that was his GA as yeah. uh, uh, Dan Lanning was coming up and then it became his defensive coordinator. So there's, you know, all that stuff going on. Um, and and they have a stingy defense, but like, you know, it's hard to shut teams out. Ohio State played Notre Dame and the jury's still out on how good they're going to be. But I mean, that's still a Notre Dame team, shut them out in the second half of the game. Really good performance, if you ask me. Then you play a team from the Sun Belt, uh, who's got Butch Jones, who I think is a phenomenal coach. He had a roster full of of, of uh, uh, power Transfer. five transfers. Yeah. Um, so he had some great players. What do you give up? 12 points in their all field goals in that game and we know yep. what the Sun Belt can do. That's going to be a really competitive conference. It's basically the Sun Belt to me right now is what the American was a couple of years ago when they were really that sixth conference that was that was in line with some of the Power 5s. That's what the Sun Belt is right now. Agreed. Um so to me to go out there and to hold a team like that that has a quarterback who's still in the record books at Florida State to all field goals I think is a performance you can hang your hat on because they boat up when they needed to. And then you get a MAC team like I said, um, that's, that's solid competition. You're not playing FCS teams. You're not playing teams that are going to finish in the bottom 10 of college football like some of the, the other teams that, uh, that I get to cover on a day-to-day basis. So um, I think we need to take this with a grain of salt in terms of the growing process. Would you like to see more dominant performances? I personally would. Um, I also understand that week one, two, three, you're rolling out a brand new defense. Uh, things are, you know, they're, you're going to have growing pains and let's be completely honest. The team that you open up with in conference play is going to be a good one because this is a quarterback that he, once he gets a little pressure in his face, he becomes way less accurate. It's not an explosive offense. They don't have a bunch of burners out on the edges. Uh, you know, you can, you can load up the box and play man to man and challenge them and, and they're going to struggle to, to put the ball over your head. So it feels like a good setup to continue to grow as well.
1: That's what. Let's just jump right into it. Ohio State opens with Wisconsin, at home on Wisconsin. On Wisconsin, fight for victory. That was, that was our uh the the tune for that was our fight song at Lufkin Lufkin High School in Lufkin, Texas.
0: High School as well.
1: Really, on you Panthers, on Wisconsin. Yeah. Well, no. were y'all the Panthers? What were y'all? Oh, in The Braves. The Braves on oh, you, Braves on oh, you, oh, you, Braves fight for victory. Yeah, did y'all or did y'all say oh, old and towns yet? That would you can't oh, even say Tange, oh, old and tangible and to Oh,
0: gotcha. yep, yeah, that was Oh, well, there. Goal. You go, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's
1: like Johnny apple, the Johnny apple seed of uh, of fight songs. Um, but uh, like you just uh, this is a totally different test than last week, and that's what always amazed me. Uh, you may remember me asking you about this one time when you were a player. You get ready for this team this week. And then boom, you throw all of the 90% of that away from an emphasis standpoint. And now you're getting ready for this team this week. That's what makes uh, defensive coaching. So interesting to me, if, if in any way, form or fashion, which is, I think at the heart of Jim Knowles approach, if you can make them sort of like be getting ready for you, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. As opposed to vice versa, a little bit, you're sort of ahead of the game. And, uh, I know from what you've seen of the South State defense, is it ready for what Wisconsin brings? And then the flip side of that question is, is this a classic Wisconsin yet? I mean, I, I, I'm not sure it is. I'm not sure what to take of the New Mexico State game. Uh, Braylon Allen looks pretty good against New Mexico State, but you understand what I'm saying? It's like yeah. two questions in one. Used to be just people be hunkering down and gearing up for the hog mollies, you know? And uh, I don't know. Just what's your take on Wisconsin and this matchup?
0: Yeah. I mean, Uh, I'll give you the, the offensive breakdown for them. Um, Personnel wise, their offensive line isn't what it has been in the past. Um, I I look at, for example, uh, urban's a find the fish guy. He, you know, he, he had that thing going on big noon uh, first time around and they've got an offensive lineman, a a right guard, number 74, that's the fish. Like he's the guy that you want to put in conflict on pass pro and everything else. Their offensive line, is um it's good it's not great and and it be, it becomes a lot better because they have in my opinion the best running back in the Big 10 conference as of right now in Braylon Allen um So you start there. It's solid. It's not great. Ohio State's going to be able to to get their wins versus that offensive line. Then you move to the tight end group. They've got a kid, Clay Cundiff, who I think is a really good player, Um, great blocker in line, but he's also going to be a weapon in the pass game. And you can make an argument that Wisconsin's pass game has always been good when the quarterback and the tight end have a good connection. Not too much to handle, though. Ohio State can play man-to-man with that tight end. It's not going to be a mismatch type of situation Um, move it out to the wide receivers, I think they're better, they're still not where you want your offense to be in this day and age in college football, in terms of explosion and guys who can win those one on one battles and and change the game on the outside and and quite frankly, um, Graham Mertz is, is much improved. Um, his completion percentage has gone up. He's turned the football over a lot less. He's he's a little bit risky with the ball. It was very interesting uh, some of the windows that he was trying to throw into against New Mexico State, and part of that is the personnel probably felt confident to do it. Uh, but he's a guy where if you put him in in conflict and pressure situations, he he might throw one to you. Um, and and so to me, I think that this is a favorable matchup for Ohio State, and uh, you said, you know, what do you make of these guys playing against New Mexico State? That's one of the the teams that's gonna finish in the bottom 10 of college football. And uh, Wisconsin did everything you wanted to do in that game. Went out, ran the ball extremely well. Uh, Graham Mertz got into a great rhythm throwing it. He even had some explosives down the field, which gives them confidence. Not the same thing that they're gonna see on Saturday out of Ohio State but flip it back to Braylon Allen who I mentioned um, I, I think he is he's great he's got a uh, very good anticipation his vision is phenomenal uh, he's got great contact balance he's a bigger running back um, he can he can break it out in the open field not like great long speed but he's he's fast enough um But I can remember back to a time where we were getting ready to play a kid named Melvin Gordon, who I have a ton of respect for, became one of my teammates in the NFL, who's a phenomenal guy. And he was on a Heisman campaign and we limited him to, you know, 70, 80 yards on the ground or whatever the case was. And that Wisconsin offense had a lot of trouble moving the football. And I think Ohio State can get into a similar mode doing that on Saturday Um, defensively for Wisconsin. They're a good group. They're, they're young on that side of the ball, breaking in some new players, certainly. Um, Nick Herbig is one of their outside linebackers. Uh, he's one of my favorite players in the conference to watch. He's got a, a screw loose, which is a great thing for a linebacker. Really explosive off the ball. He's got great play strength. Um, his closing speed is good, rushing the passer. And he's a guy who can drop into coverage as well. Um, Their inside backers are young, so their defense isn't as complex as it's been in the past. And so it's good to get them earlier rather than later as those guys develop. Um, John Torchio in their secondary is kind of their safety. That's the adjuster. He moves in the box. He'll get them down close to the line of scrimmage, but he can play uh, as as a free safety. Um, I like what he provides for their defense. Um, and this is a, a team that's going to show you multiple fronts. So they'll show three down fronts. They'll show four down fronts. Um, they do a lot of blitzes They'll They'll move, um, Herbig around that offensive line kind of as that spinner position to try to find a favorable matchup for him. Yeah. Um, they'll, they'll drop eight in the coverage from time to time, which is something Ohio State is going to see throughout the year because of how great the passing attack is, which means, um, you know, those running backs better buckle up, which we've seen this year, which is a great thing. Uh, Ryan is going to take what is available to him Um, but again like as I look at Wisconsin's defense I think they're a very good unit Um, I think Ohio State is a great offensive unit so you know you're going to be able to get your plays out there I I think this is one of those matchups of course where you have to you have to play a clean game you have to do things the right way starting fast is going to be imperative but I, I don't think I mean, this Wisconsin team, a lot of people pick to win the West and we can talk about our thoughts about what the West is going to be. I don't think this is some of the Wisconsin teams that we've seen in the past. Um, Ohio State should be able to go out there and handle business.
1: Yeah. Well, Could you repeat all that? No, I'm just joking. (laughs) That was a great summary. Yeah, it's not not the Wisconsin of the, you know, uh, that's what I'm – it could be maybe by the end of the year, maybe the development continues. If I have to cough, I'm going to hit my cough button. (laughs) <laughs> i've had this cold man i had this cold started uh when i was in the elevator with you i hope you didn't get it from
0: me yeah. and uh so can we talk about the old cough button real quick yeah uh, it's a game i mean it's a game changer it's a lifesaver sometimes we're up there in the booth and got to clear out the, the old vocal cords Pipes. You just, you just press down the cough button you get your little you know clear your throat out and you're good to go
1: yeah Yeah, I think you guys call that, you guys in uh, media, uh, broadcast media call that your pipes. You got to clean out your pipes. But kind of like an old diesel truck. Uh, But I digress. Uh, Just before we move on, I want to ask you a couple of quickies about the Big Ten and about the national scene. But uh, what do you like like most about what you're seeing C.J. Stroud do right now? I mean, I, I liken him to a surgeon, right? I mean, he is really carving some stuff up maybe that's a butcher but i look at more of a surgeon because he uses a scalpel he's more fine you know what i mean if you leave a little yeah. more meat on the bone in the other as a butcher who cares but my point is i just like the way at the moment he is carving defenses up or carving up defenses i didn't mean to leave my hanging preposition there what <laughs> what do you like to where you've seen him definitely get better from a year ago josh yeah,
0: so CJ, it's, it's very unique because I, I, again, going back to the time I got to sit down with the Ohio State coaching staff, I asked Ryan Day, I'm like, you know, what's up with CJ? I said, where, where have you seen him grow and what does he need to improve on? Yeah, And Ryan looks at me so unironically and says, he's a second year starter. He needs to improve on everything. Yeah. Uh, and so I, there's been this process to where last year obviously was phenomenal for him. But Ryan's saying that you can't just hang your hat on what you did a year ago when he was really good. Um, now you're a second year starter at the Ohio State University. You have all the physical and mental attributes of a great quarterback. You need to take the game to the next level. So the things that I'm seeing is the confidence, obviously, in, in throwing the ball. And over the last couple of weeks, some of the windows that I've seen CJ Stroud hit, um, regardless of competition are just chef's kiss. Like there was that play where he threw it over a corner under the safety to Marvin Harrison, which was a great grab by by route man Marv. Um, But I mean, that pass was just sensational. And then he does it again, puts it right over a corner In this last game, I'm like, geez, oh, Pete's, man. This guy is confident in his ability to place the ball accurately with the right amount of touch. Um, It's really, really good. And then you see the recognition because one of the things that I just mentioned is teams are showing CJ so many different looks now. Uh, where he's got blitz looks he has to recognize and then find where his relief is on the blitz. So he can get the ball out quickly. Um, You've got your traditional coverage looks. So he's got to understand pre-snap what they're showing and then post-snap what they're actually playing, where the weakness of that defense is, how that route combination works. Um, You know, if they're, if you're getting zone uh, he's, he's telling his guys where to sit down in the soft spots of the zone. He's putting the ball there. um, Not necessarily, uh, on a man, but to a space where it's open. Uh, I love the anticipation of that. Recognizing when you're getting some of the the, the three, uh, three down drop eight looks where you've got to extend the play maybe a little bit to find where that soft spot's gonna open up and then place the ball. But one of the things that really stands out to me is when CJ has to scramble now, uh, where the pocket breaks down and the guys now have to go off script on the routes. His ability to extend the play, to keep his eyes down the football field, and then to throw an accurate pass on the move, I think is head and shoulders above what it was a year ago. And that was the next step for him. And he's fully embraced that. But over the last couple of games too, hasn't been a ton, but he's pulled that ball down and gotten some yards on the ground. And I know Ohio State fans have been clamoring for it. So this is a good thing. Now, I said this on the game broadcast I was on and I'd like to reiterate this, there was a a questionable uh, no call on a potential late hit out of bounds. And I said when your quarterback runs, that's the risk that you take And, and some people took exception to that comment. And I'm not saying that I condone anybody taking a a dirty shot on a quarterback. But what I'm saying is, as as a former defensive player, the line is blurred on when you keep going and you want to finish off a play. And when you pull off, number one and number two, anytime I see a quarterback running, I'm trying to hit him as hard as I can. So for CJ, as much as you are now comfortable using your legs a little bit, you have to be careful about um, that edge between getting as many yards as you can and protecting your body. Because yeah. that would be one of the big things that could derail this Ohio State season. But his game is is totally matured um, mentally. You see that he has it. Uh, somebody asked, and I don't know who it was about, um, you know, his his ability to to read and recognize. And I think it's just a wild question. Watch the damn tape. He yeah. can read. He can recognize. And he puts the ball exactly where it needs to go.
1: Oh my goodness, dude! I'm gonna tell you, I uh, exactly. Uh, pay attention, or at least come to a few press conferences. It's the way I look at it. But it, but like you said, watch the tape. But real quickly, my favorite pass so far this year was when they when he had a, I think it was in your game when he had Mecca run that little drag route, and you had Cade uh, Stover come off the line run a little angle route. Uh, you remember this play? Ended up being the longest play of the game for Ohio State, 51 yards. Mecca Ekbuka, a rising star yeah. uh, in in the nation, much less Big Ten football. Whatever had to kind of work his way through you big guy, you know you you linebackers there in the back, and all of a sudden he cuts it up, and there's nobody there because they blitzed, I think, the the, the safety. Um, bottom line is, CJ could see that wide open space there. Mecca just wanted Mecca to get to it. Uh, if he could just get back by that one linebacker without getting popped, you know what I mean? You know how you can do yep. that in college football. You can't necessarily do that in the NFL. But my point is, the patience he showed, but the time he bought – the fuel he had for the pressure around him, and then boom, he puts the ball around right the money, a little flip. It, it, it
0: was it was a great touch pass too. Yes. I, I think that's the other thing. That, yes, that the great quarterbacks, like when you watch uh, Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and those guys. and I'm not saying that CJ's any of these guys, but the thing that really stands out about their game to me is the, the change-ups that they can put on the ball, yes. the different velocities. And so you're right, CJ standing there, you got the pressure coming, he steps up, navigates, finds that window to where he has great vision. And then the touch that he puts on that ball because it's a weird angle coming out. Yep. Uh, and, and he just places it so well. Mm. Let your receiver run right under it. I'm, th- I, I agree with you, that was a phenomenal play. But that's what you're getting out of C.J. Stroud right now. Yeah. And, and just to, to put the a bow on this conversation, the other thing that he's doing really well, everybody, everybody in that program talks about how he's a great leader now. And yeah. his presence in the media um, compared to last year, you could tell he's comfortable and that he has command of this locker room by the way he talks to us. Yes. Um, and, and so exactly. it just everything has progressed for him. And now it's about finding those incremental ways throughout the season to continue to get better uh, because I don't think we've even seen the top end out of him yet.
1: Yeah, and you're right. Real quick, before we move on, the thing is, and he threw a pass to Case over the other night up the seam, it's almost like he handed the ball to him 30 yards down the field. I mean, that's the kind of feel you've got when you're watching him throw the ball now. It's like he's handing the ball to a guy, but the guy's 30 yards down the field and they're quite, you know, a, a myriad, There are myriad examples of it, but uh, I digress now. It's the Big Ten season, et cetera. Real quick, who do you like in the Big Ten West? Uh, Everybody hadn't played all of their non-conference games yet. Some people have played conference games. Uh, We're a little bit ahead of the curve there. Who do you like? Uh, I think you and I like the same team. Maybe I'm wrong. Who do you like without putting yourself way too out there at this moment?
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting because preseason, uh, you know, Cleveland.com does their poll. And everybody's picking Wisconsin in the West, pretty much Uh, it was Wisconsin had a a couple of Minnesota votes, a couple of Iowa votes. And I, um, you know, I'll I'll put it like this. I had Purdue in Minnesota. I had Purdue edging Minnesota early on. Um, Iowa would have never been a pick for me after watching them in training camp. Uh, And we've seen what their offense looks like. It is absolutely putrid. I understand defense and special teams are great. Um, they, they, they flat out, they stink on offense. I can be uh, that
1: bad on offense. Josh.
0: I put out a power ranking before the season started and the Iowa fans were in my mentions telling me that I didn't know anything about football and I was stupid. And I'm just, I, it takes everything in me because I, I'd save the tweets to not go back at them and be like, yeah, I'm a big dummy. Um, I don't know how they get better. I don't know what they do. They're just bad. And then for the Wisconsin thing. (laughs) At the, the jury was still out for me on Graham Mertz and what he could be as a quarterback. And I think he's improving. Um, and then defensively with all the the losses, I think they have eight new starters this year, it was going to be a big question about how quickly they could come up to speed. And I think Jim Leonard is, is one of the best coordinators in all of college football. So uh, it was a, a matter of not if, but when they would be up to standard there uh, to get back to my picks. I had Purdue um, actually I had uh Ohio State Michigan is my first two teams in the Big Ten just did like a full power ranking. Then I had Purdue and Minnesota. Yeah. And Purdue goes out there. Against Penn State and should have won the game, but Jeff Braum pissed down his leg and forgot how to coach and, and didn't realize that you don't even need to gain yards on the ground at the end of the game. You just need to chew up some of the clock, maybe burn some timeouts for the other team. And Penn State gets the ball back and, and they've got plenty of time to go down the field and to score. Um, yeah. So he killed me there. And then, you know, you get 50 yards worth of penalties in the last minute of the game uh, against Syracuse and you end up losing that one. They've only got one conference loss. They could turn things around, but it just feels really iffy right there. But getting back to Minnesota, they haven't played anybody. They've played some bad football teams this year. They've yeah. handled business like professionals. Uh, they go out there. They chew up the clock. Mo Abraham's running the rock like crazy. And Tanner Morgan is passing the ball as well as he did in 2019. Uh, back with his old offensive coordinator, Kirk Shiraka, that RPO is absolutely working over there. Um, yeah. So that's a team that I liked. the west and i think we're going to learn a lot about minnesota in the game that i'm calling this weekend as they uh take a trip over to east lansing getting a michigan state team coming off of a loss Um, i mean the west is is extremely wide open but i don't think it's going to be the typical suspects that you would expect to win the conference or that division of the conference this year i think you're looking at probably in minnesota with the lead Purdue's still in it. Um, of course, Wisconsin's going to improve throughout the year. I think Iowa's out. Northwestern is not a good football team this year. Illinois could maybe surprise some people over there, and Nebraska's a lost cause. So there you go.
1: Hey, real quick, you stand by the Ohio State-Michigan uh, thing, right? I mean, I think Michigan uh, hadn't played anybody really, but they've looked really good not playing anybody,
0: right? I stand by it. It's. Um, I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday, though, is Minnesota not being ranked right now? Like you look at their resume and you look at Michigan's resume and it's the same thing. And Michigan yeah. gets the benefit of what they were a year ago. Yes. In, in saying all that, uh, I think Michigan has a really good chance to be 11 and 0 as they head into the horseshoe at the end of the year. I said that in preseason. I stand by that. Um, JJ McCarthy, I think, is sensational as a young player. Hasn't been tested whatsoever, but he has played the way he's supposed to. Um, Their run game with Blake Coram and Donovan Edwards back there is going to be really good again. And their offensive line was the best in college football a year ago. And they've got a chance to be that good again this year. And their question was defense and their defense has answered the bell and had time to learn and develop up to this point. Um, I think it's a really good football team. I feel bad for Cade McNamara and the the whole way that went down. I don't think it needed to go down so publicly, but that's neither here nor there. Um, For all the people who think that Michigan just rolling through the non-con and and not having any tough games. And they're not as real as we think they are. It's hard for me to say that a team who scored, you know, 56 and in the sixties and then 59 or whatever they did a week ago and has given up like 10 points total on the season, regardless of who they're playing. It's pretty damn good. Um, So to me, Michigan is going to be like that again. And Ohio state, I think is going to be like that as well. They're going to be better than they were a year ago. And so that battle in Columbus thing is going to be 11 and no versus 11 and no. And it'll be a lot of fun. Hey, let's,
1: let's say any surprise on the national scene. I mean, obviously Georgia, Alabama, Ohio state, who have you got? If you got Michigan after that, who've you got, I mean, what's, what's your top, what's your top four. And you give me your top five.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really interesting. Georgia certainly to me is in the driver's seat. Uh, I mean, look at what they're doing right now. Yeah. It's a continuation it's of playing. last year. Yeah. That's the thing, man. I mean, like, I mean, the way that they're using their tight ends is ridiculous. Yeah. It's it's a really intriguing team. And people had questions about the defense. They reloaded just like any great team does. Yeah. Um, so I've got them number one. I would actually edge Ohio State at number two right now. Maybe it's a little bit of bias, but I don't think that Alabama is explosive enough offensively. I don't, I don't think they have the horses. Um, but they're still going to be a really good football team. Um, you know, Texas gave them their, their best shot and had Quinn Ewer not gotten hurt. Who knows how that game ends? Um, but that was probably the wake-up call that Nick Saban loves to motivate his teams with. Um, I mentioned Michigan. I would put them up there in that top four right now. And then to me, it's Oklahoma uh, because their offense is explosive, but I, I think their defense has come a really long way and being aggressive and physical uh under Brett Venables and I had questions about his ability to be a head coach and and, uh he's answered all those questions up to this point yep um Lincoln Riley I think has the offense down I don't think Alex Alex Grinch is is the guy that he's gonna have to he's gonna want to roll with into the future as they join the Big Ten I'm just not sure he can get it done their defense to me uh has made improvements but they were a bad defense a year ago and then um Clemson has no reason being in the top 10 right now.
1: So yeah. There you go. I, amen. Amen. I just watched Dabo's got to watch coming down that hill, man. One of these days it's going to be Somersault city,
0: right? Coming, yeah, it's going to be something. I mean, he, the way he was trying to run down that hill, it was a little bit of a look at me situation too.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like the first, the Wright brothers, their first landing, they had, it was just a controlled crash. That's all it was. The first landing by an, by an airplane was just a controlled crash. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Uh, Joshua Perry, thanks for joining the Tim May podcast again, man. We'll be in touch and, uh, have a good day. Cause boy, you sure got an early start on it, my man.
0: Always fun. Appreciate you.
1: You know, appreciate Joshua Perry coming on the Tim May podcast again. Always enjoy my conversations with him. I told him, I said, he's just a taller, more muscular version of myself, man. Because otherwise we think a lot alike when it comes to uh football in general and the big 10 in particular. I mean, uh, we both had Minnesota as our favorite in the Big Ten West. Like he said, he also had Purdue as his co-favorite in the Big Ten West, but to watch them blow that game against Penn State and then blow that game the other day at Syracuse, uh, Spence, that was tough. But I think you were in the Minnesota camp along with me, right? This is like a sort of a no-argument zone on the Tim May podcast, which I don't necessarily enjoy, but but go ahead. There's nothing so far that tells me I have picked the wrong team in the West, except really Minnesota hasn't played anybody yet. They've played – as Joshua said, they played the Michigan equivalent in the Big Ten West of a pre, pre-conference schedule, and uh, they've taken care of business. But I still like Minnesota and what P.J. Fleck has done there.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you look at their schedule, you got Western Illinois and a terrible, terrible Colorado team. Uh, New Mexico State, who we've already mentioned on this program, is having lost to uh, Wisconsin. But with that being said, uh, that Joe Rossi defense there from Minnesota – is as good as you're going to find, not only the Big Ten, but around the country, Tim, that that defense yeah. gets after it. And you look around the Big Ten West, Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois, Purdue, Nebraska, Northwestern, those teams cannot score with 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 ease. And then you put them up against the defense that plays like that. That Minnesota defense, you're asking for Minnesota to win, this, win that side of the league and, and face Ohio State or Michigan over there in Indianapolis. It's going to be exciting, though, because I think it could be a muddled mess, but I'm sure we're going to talk about that more here as we go
1: yeah but uh it is it is kind of poetic justice it would be poetic justice and it hasn't happened yet if all of a sudden minnesota versus ohio state for the big 10 championship uh in lucas oil the way that game started uh at the beginning of the year last year at minnesota and then they lose their talented running back mohammed ibrahim or is it ibrahim mohammed i get I, I i always forget but you know where i'm going uh, if he, he's back on track, it does appear he's going to get better by the week. And, uh, wow, that would be interesting to see that rematch, wouldn't it?
2: Absolutely. Uh, and, and it would be uh, a little bit of irony for C.J. Stroud to come full circle as, yeah. you know, uh, maybe possibly leading the Heisman Trophy race there in December uh, as that game comes around. Uh, compared to his first start when he was checking his phone at halftime and and worried about what everyone's saying, to becoming the the Heisman favorite in Indianapolis playing against Minnesota, that would be a, a cool storyline. Tim to to have here, uh, yeah. you know, are, are we going to get it? I don't know. There's a couple teams in the Big Ten that I could see giving Minnesota a challenge, you know, in one game environments. But over the course of the season, I don't see a team in that side of the league better than Minnesota right now.
1: Yeah. Uh, and there's nine, not obviously nine games between here and there for Ohio State to take care of business, not the least of which would be that uh, regular season finale against Michigan, uh, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan. Is that your top four? That's what it, that's what it is for a lot of people right now. What's your take on? I mean, obviously Oklahoma's knocking on the door there. Uh, USC is knocking on the door mainly with its offense, uh, but. That's a pretty formidable looking top four. If in fact that's it, right?
2: Yeah, and I don't want to get full college football playoff talk, but you know, with with Michigan's schedule, um, even if it goes eleven and one. Oh, I'm not even like, talking about the college yeah. football. I'm just talking about the polls right now. You know, yeah, the, the top four are pretty clear cut, Tim. Yeah, um, I don't know if that's going to be a possibility with the way Michigan scheduled its its opponents for this year uh, to end up as the top four, even if it goes eleven and one, uh, but. I will say that that those four right now, and I would lump in Oklahoma. That team looks good, Tim. That team looks like it is, it is every bit as good as it was with Lincoln Riley. And uh, you know, I'm still not sure about USC because of that defense. But, but I I, I don't know Michigan. I, I want to see Michigan play somebody. I'm I'm not going to see it for a long time because they don't play. They're not playing anybody. But yeah. I'd like to see them try to play somebody. Uh, but you know, Oklahoma hasn't played much of a, a schedule yet either because they just played Nebraska and we thought we'd learn something from that. But it was a shelling. So yeah, we'll, we'll find out more, I guess, but but I, I'm not going to find out a lot about Michigan here in the next few weeks because of that schedule.
1: Yeah. Well, Ohio state's most impressive win is over a team that's one and two. So there you go. You know what I mean? Yep. Notre Dame. Yep. So like you said, it's early. Uh, who besides, besides Michigan, uh, who from the East can challenge Ohio state? I mean, obviously Penn state goes on the road. I thought very impressive. You can say what you want to about Auburn under the Harson regime. But uh, they came within a, a play or two of beating Alabama last year. Uh, my point is, that's an impressive win. You go on the road into the Southeastern Conference and win by 20 points or so. Um, there's, I'm not shaking my head at that one. Uh, but who in the East besides uh, besides Michigan challenges Ohio State, do you think? Obviously, I like Michigan State to, to come around. I mean, I'm not holding that loss at, at Washington against them. Michael Penix, Jr., when he's healthy, he's always had a thing for Michigan State. You know what I mean? Uh, he's just not healthy enough uh, most of the time. You, if he's going to get you, you better – if you're going to play him, you don't want to play him early. You know what I mean, so to speak. But uh, just as you look at the East, any shakeup coming there?
2: Well, I might be cold – be on that Twitter cold takes page for this, but I am I am officially out on Michigan State uh, for this season. That defense, it give, it's it got to be giving Mel Tucker nightmares, man. That, their de- that defense is – it's a tough watch right now, and I'm not sure if there's any answers to that in the short term, and the short term being the next three months to get yeah. that thing figured out. Um, so, you know, they play Minnesota this week, and then Ohio State in a couple weeks. It it might be a rough start to the Big Ten play for Michigan State. So I'll put them off to the side, and I think I'm going to stick with Penn State there, Tim, because that if they have a running game like they look like they have with Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, the two freshmen, yeah, uh, those guys were highly recruited. Ohio State really liked Nick Singleton. They they, they recruited uh, Kay Tron Allen for a little while. That one-two punch of true freshman is a dangerous combination. And if they can take pressure off Sean Clifford, then you're talking about a Sean Clifford that I can maybe buy a little bit on. Uh, if he's asked to do everything like he was against Purdue, I, I'm, I'm I'm a little shaky with Sean Clifford. But if he's asked to do what he can do, then – I think Penn State's got a chance. Then you factor in Ohio State has to go to Happy Valley for right. almost a sleepy noon start instead of that night game. You almost think the night game might help Ohio State be up for it. But, you know, a, a noon start for both those teams is going to be odd. Uh, and, you know, it's at the end of October, uh, it, right after Ohio State plays a physical, physical Iowa team at home. I think that game's going to be more interesting than I pegged it for at the beginning of the season, Tim.
0: Yeah, and think, uh,
2: that's that's the team I'm circling right now to challenge Ohio State before that Michigan game here in Big Ten play.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people wrote that game off like this year when they were sizing up Ohio State, the greatest pl- greatest team of all time. You know what I mean? Uh, they would just cruise through this schedule, and uh, it is it's you know like you just said, no matter what you think of Iowa and its inability. It looks like they don't even have plays to score touchdowns with, you know, uh, and its inability an to score. But the flip side of it is defensively, they get after you, man, and uh, just like you said, it's going to be a physical matchup. And then, like you said, you go to Happy Valley after that. I mean, that's that's tough. The road game at Maryland, Maryland is scoring points, you know. Now, who they played? Nobody, but they're scoring points, and uh, the Terrapins are, and uh, so there are a lot of these little pothole situations that could very, very much develop. Yeah. If you don't fill in a pothole, it gets bigger and bigger. There are definitely some pothole situations on this path for Ohio state to run, to get to Michigan undefeated and possibly uh, take care of business to, uh, to right the wrong of last year. In fact, that was the right way of putting it and then move back to the big 10 championship game. But uh, I'm with you on that Penn state thing. Hey, uh, one of the quickie before we get out of here, um, as Ohio State goes into the into Big Ten play, what is still your biggest concern about this football team? Uh, and, you know, you can ponder that. I don't, I'm not sure they have a major concern, but, you know, just go ahead and give me your take and I'll give you
2: mine. I think it's still, Tim, a little bit of the run game. Uh, I talked about it last week. I think Saturday might have been a little bit of an anomaly. When that game snowballed, it really snowballed on Saturday for Toledo. Um, but I want to see Ohio State run the ball consistently between the tackles, which I still don't think they've done particularly as well as they want to. Um, you know, one yard here, two yards here, 60 yards here makes everything look okay. But there, that's a Band-Aid on a, uh, you know, not a bullet hole, but a bigger wound that you don't really want. Um, I'd like to see them get that figured out. And then, uh, you know, I think they did figure out the penalty issue on Saturday. You had one on sportsmanlike conduct that was a uh, offsetting penalty with you know, both sides got one, so you you had another unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Those cannot happen against Wisconsin, against Iowa, Penn State, and then you only had the false start on Luke Whipple, and it was a center uh, quarterback exchange. So I think yeah. the penalty issue might have gotten figured out, but you can't have those unsportsmanlike conducts. Um, and then the running game a little bit, and then defensively, you know, is my call healthy? Is you know are are the corners okay? That's probably the biggest thing. The those corner that cornerback play. This is not an issue that I expected to see from Ohio State this year with Cameron Brown and Denzel Burke. I thought that they would be the highlight of this defense. And I asked Jim Knowles about it before the before the season started. How important is it to have good cornerback play? And he said, you know, in, in paraphrasing, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it's everything. In especially in this defense when they're on of course, irons. Yeah. And so the cornerback play and maybe and maybe a little bit more consistency in the run game. If they if Ohio State can get those things figured out, I'll have no concerns about this team. But until then there are a couple little things there that I'd like to see get improved.
1: Yeah, I'd like to be up fly on the wall in the defensive meeting rooms right now and just wanting to hear out how urgent that situation is at the corners, you know, how they look at it. Because they do put them out there pretty much on their own. You know, calling it an island is not correct. It's more like an airline because you're moving all over the place uh, or a motorboat. You're moving all over the place. That would be the better analogy from an island. Uh, but, uh, you know, just, you're going to give up some plays. That's just the bottom line. Joshua Perry and I talked about that with this defense. You still want to give up two in a row and they gave up a kind of a big scrambling play for a touchdown the other day on it. Yeah. That first, uh, Toledo possession, that quarterback Daquan Finn did a great job and, uh, hits the receiver in stride, you know, at the goal line, he scores on a long, uh, scrambling pass you know you're gonna to have to get used to maybe giving up one or two of those kind of situations a game. just don't make a regular uh, thing of it. And uh, but they're gonna there's gonna be somebody's gonna come in and just gonna go, they're just gonna throw the hell out of the ball at this uh, at this defense and see if it can handle it on the edges. It's coming. You can feel it. Uh, so that would be the concern for me. You had you know I listed, I asked you to list one concern. And you listed three. that was good. I like I like the way I like the way you went there. Uh, the other thing, you know, I, I'm not the running game. The only thing that bugs me would bug me about the running game if I'm Ohio State coaches right now is it's pretty glaring. It's pretty glaring how short that bench is at running back. That's a little bit of a concern. But what's it been interesting, and I'm writing about this for Tuesday, is how. I'm kind of making it centric on the safeties room, but how this year so far they've tested the depth of the running back room. They've tested the depth of the wide receiver room and they've tested the depth of the safety room. Cause obviously Josh Proctor uh, wasn't available the other day. Neither was Tanner McAllister, you know, two of their three starters uh, at the safety spots. And I thought they played pretty well without those dudes. Uh, uh, Cameron Martinez, et cetera, Ronnie Hickman leading the charge. So, but uh, getting back to that running back room, that's that that's what would be a concern for me. It's just those guys staying healthy, playing by committee, uh, trying to keep Travion Henderson available through a game is probably as big a challenge as anything they face because they dealt with the same thing a year ago. Maybe it's not the same malady as you heard me ask uh, Ryan Day about it. It's not the same thing he dealt with last year, which appeared to be a any head bump gave him kind of the feel that he had a that he was having a. Uh, some kind of concussion symptoms but they would go away but I'm not sure what it was the other night that knocked him out but still they put it on display how fragile uh, that aspect of the team is right
2: yeah Tim and I was even kind of surprised uh, when they gave Dallin Hayden additional carries there in the third and fourth quarter uh, you know that that that's a guy who's going to be pretty valuable for you obviously he's the backup running back when Trayvon Henderson gets his helmet taken away and yeah. Who knows? He he might be the backup running back here for however long Trayvon Henderson yes. needs to get back on the So, you know, to have him in the game in that fourth quarter, I'm not going to question anything that the Ohio State's doing right now because they scored 77 points and and you know nearly broke school records. But yeah. also, uh, if something happens to Mayan Williams, your starting tailback is Dallin Hayden. And so uh that running back room, T C Caffey obviously is making an impression. He got some shout outs from uh, you know, the Ohio State coaching staff on Saturday after the game. And then you've got two uh, former running backs in that linebacker room. Maybe you have to dip in there and make those guys available at yeah. tailback. But, uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting, Tim. Uh, if Ohio State wants to, it can throw the ball around the yard all at once with CJ Stroud and those receivers. Uh, but newsflash, that's not what Ohio State wants to do, Tim. They want to run the ball. They want to establish the ground game. And it appears they even kind of want to go out of the I formation, Tim.
1: Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. Uh... An homage to the I formation, two tights. They might've even had three tights at one point in the game. Uh, basically the power. I, I mean, had a flanker tight, you know what I mean? So he wasn't inside the, he wasn't inside the formation. So it wasn't a necessary classic power. I. But not only did they run out of the eye, they ran the fullback out of the eye, Mitch Rossi, excuse me, tight end out of the I formation, uh, Mitch Rossi. And he gets a touchdown. So yeah. Uh, the alumni band was there. It was kind of a throwback. Uh, throwback uh, make everybody feel good and I think uh, Ryan they felt really good about the way the thing came off
2: yeah isn't it funny Tim how uh you watch the noon slate on Saturday and you see J.J. McCarthy and all those receivers up north throwing the ball around and yeah. and being that widespread aggressive offense and then you go Saturday night to the horseshoe and instead of Jim Harbaugh being the guy with three tight ends and the fullback you've got you know Ryan Day with Mitch Rossi out there, fullback dive, like uh, Jim Harbaugh used to use Ben Mason for a couple of years ago. So I just thought that was funny that that yeah. noon, you watch Jim Harbaugh open up the playbook and be the spread guy and Ryan Day, reduce it all down to a, you know, between the hashes, uh, man ball there uh, in the eye formation. It's a little bit of a, a, a weird thing to see, but it works. So,
1: you know, sometimes you just have to take your medicine or create your own medicine and obviously it took Jim Harbaugh a long time to get into the idea of doing what you're just talking about, spreading the field and getting after it. Uh, and Ryan Day, you know, Ryan Day Airlines is a is a real thing. You can charter some flights, I think. Uh, right now they have some extra planes. Uh, but the bottom line is uh, he knew in the offseason the defense had to get fixed and the offense had to be able to line up in, you know, 45 offensive linemen and two running backs uh, – and tight and be able to blow somebody off the ball. And I think he feels pretty good the way that has come along, but you can see just from that I formation situation, he has plays within that I, for, I formation to throw the ball. Also, obviously they've done that already this year. Uh, Kate Stover ball, just over his hands, you know? Uh, so. Yeah. I, I give it up to Ryan day. Cause he wasn't kidding. You know, gotta be tougher at the point of attack, but then, Hey, have some plays off of that. That's what I've always liked about his offense. He doesn't just throw one thing in there. He throws one thing in there with at least three alternatives. And that's what sets him apart, in my opinion, from a lot of the other offensive coaches around the country. Uh, well, let's qu- question before we go here. Uh, you just touched on a minute ago. It is amazing how they how they borrowed people from the offense and the running back room to play linebacker last year. And they could be going the other direction this year if if you get an emergency. Uh, you got Chip Traynham sitting there at linebacker. You've got uh, Steel Chambers who could probably still tote the rock if he needed to, right? But uh, that could be a very interesting
2: dynamic to watch. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, does Chip Traynham be the guy? Because Steel Chambers is a solidified starter on the defense. You're oh, I know.
1: Bring... I'm just saying he's got that in his background, though, I mean, from an yeah, emergency situation. Yeah, for sure.
2: For sure, and if if needed, I'm sure still Chambers would tote the ball if they needed him. Too. Oh yeah, uh, you know he's a team first guy, but you know they've got they've got Chip Tranum back there on on kick returns. There's no reason he can't get a couple carries here and there, and so uh, you know he's not he hasn't been as much in the linebacker rotation as maybe he would have thought. Uh, he, he's been a good player. He's been really good on special teams as far as tackling, and he's good on the kick return. We saw him uh, this week on a couple kick returns, and so. You wonder if, if that's in the in the cards for Ryan Day right now. I'm sure we'll ask him about it uh, later on in the day about, uh, you know, on Tuesday about, you know, whether that is an option for this team and whether Tony Alford has explored that thought. Um, but we'll see. I mean, if Trayvon Henderson's going to be out any extended time, which I don't think he will, but you don't know with Trayvon Henderson. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, you could be looking at a situation where it's Ohio State backup running back Chip Traynor. Yeah.
1: All right. Last thing. Make it just one word, all you gotta do is say one word. You're picked to win the Big Ten East as Ohio State dives in to the big Ten schedule. Obviously, there's already been a couple of several games played in the big Ten so far this year. This will be Ohio State's first. You're picked to big win the big Ten East is what's two words? Ohio State. Okay, I agree. Ohio State, and you're picked to win the big Ten West is.
2: It's still Minnesota.
1: I agree with Minnesota. We've got to get somebody else on here who says something like, you know, Illinois. You know what I mean? What about the University of Illinois? But uh, not the case, won't be the case this year, I don't think. But you never know with Brett Bielema, man. He can sneak up on you.
2: Tim, if I can add just a little thing if there's one team that's going to foil somebody's season, though, in the Big Ten, it's Illinois. Yeah, it that is. Team, that team can run the ball. And Chase Brown, I think, is one of the five best backs in the Big Ten. He is really, really good. And so if you catch Illinois on a day where they're ready to just whip somebody's tail and you're not ready to play, that Illinois team can beat you. And Illinois looks more
1: like Wisconsin right now than Wisconsin looks like Wisconsin. Agreed?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, Minnesota has got to go to Illinois, uh, you know, on the 15th, the week before they go to Penn state. So if somebody's going to mess up our uh, Minnesota pick, it's going to be that two game stretch of at at Illinois and at Penn State for Minnesota.
1: And I would like to add this rejoinder. I did not say the Big Ten West champion is going to go undefeated in the Big Ten West. I think it could definitely come down in the last two weeks like it did last year. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, but anyway, hey, Spence, thanks for joining me again, my man. Nice co piloting. I appreciate you having me as always, Tim. Yeah, I had to go back and serve the passengers uh, because our. One of our stewards didn't show up this morning, and uh, sorry about that. Uh, But, ladies and gentlemen, until next week, for Spencer Holbrook for the Tim May podcast, we'll see you then.